There's a plastic bag floating in the ocean, floating in the ocean. And what are we to do? There's a plastic bag floating in the ocean, floating in the ocean blue. And if the plastic bag starts breaking into pieces, breaking into pieces, what are we to do? And if the plastic bag starts breaking into pieces, into pieces in the ocean blue. Welcome to Sustainability Now. I'm your host, Ronnie Lipschitz, and during this semi-weekly radio show, I'll be taking you on a tour of environment, ecology, sustainability, and society through interviews and discussions with academics, activists, advocates, agency staff, and maybe even artists about what they're up to. Our focus will be primarily on the Monterey Bay region, but sometimes we'll range as far afield as California and beyond. Today, my guest is Liz McDade, who runs the No Trace Shop, an online business dedicated to providing customers with a sustainable lifestyle. We'll be talking about what she is up to and zero-waste living, as well as discussing consumer culture in the United States and what you can do to change it. We're also going to delve into some of the philosophical and political questions related to the idea and practice of zero-waste. And I do also want to add that Liz has a PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Iowa, although she's full-time dedicated to her uh, business at this point. So why don't we get started? Tell us a little about, bit about yourself and your shop and how you came to do it. Yes. Um, well, thank you uh, so much for having me, Ronnie. It's great to be here. So I um, have always considered myself an environmentalist. And a few years ago, I learned about the zero waste movement. And it felt like a very... Um, inspiring movement to me. It felt like a refreshing and sort of tangible way to continue to think about environmental issues. And it brought sort of new energy to my own environmental issues. And so I started on this journey to cut my waste and my family's waste a few years ago. And in the process, I realized that there were certain tools that I needed to help us cut waste as a family and when I was looking around for these tools, I found that some of them weren't that sustainable. So some of the things that you could purchase were actually made from plastic or packaged in plastic, um, or maybe they were painted with uh, a material that, that was essentially a form of plastic or had some other kinds of toxic chemicals. So I, I was looking around at the the landscape of the kinds of supplies that I wanted for my home, and I realized that there weren't really options that I considered um, zero waste in terms of helping me go towards zero waste. So I started to make them myself, and I realized that this is something that that folks need if they want to um, reduce their own waste. Okay, let's let's go ahead. All right. Um, so uh, what, what is it that you sell via No Trace? Um, I make a, uh, cloth veggie bags. So instead of shopping with a plastic bag, you can shop with a cloth bag. And I make beeswax and vegan wax kitchen wraps. So these are alternatives to plastic bags. I also make sandwich and snack bags out of organic cotton and um, lunch bags and other kinds of bags. So basically I make plastic-free alternatives to the bags that you might need in your kitchen and your home. How did you decide that that's what needed to be done? Is that just based on 
Yeah, that was the first spot in my own home where I wanted to start cutting out plastic was in the kitchen. Uh And that's where I first started looking into other options for myself. So I decided, let's start with kitchen. Let's start with kitchen bags and and kitchen related products. Mm -hmm. Who, Who makes these things? So I make pretty much everything. Wow. I do have someone helping me because the demand has really grown and I, I can't keep up on my own. So I have someone who can help me with uh, what I'm making, but it's everything is made here in Santa Cruz. We had a little glitch there, so, um, okay. Um, and and I was wondering what, whether you use new or recycled materials yeah. in making these th- the your products. That's a good question. Yeah, I I thought a lot about that when I was sort of putting together my products. I actually use both. So for some of my products, I use recycled cotton, mm-hmm. and um, for other products, I use organic cotton. Mm-hmm. So it's a blend of of organic and recycled cotton. And where, where do you get the recycled, uh, the, the organic cotton, I mean? Who organic, do you buy it from? Have you, uh, yeah, I get the organic cotton from two different companies that are um, GOT certified. Uh-huh. So that's a certification that it's has to do with, you know, where the, how the cotton is created and the worker conditions, things like mm-hmm. that. So two different companies um, provide that for me. And then the recycled cotton I get from... A few different places. There's an organization out of New York called Fab Scrap that recycles fabric from the New York Fashion District, and then they redistribute it to makers. So I get uh, cotton from them. I also get it. Um, people know that I, I use old cotton sheets, so people will bring me sheets that are worn that maybe they have like a, a tear and they can't really use them anymore. And then I also get fabric from local thrift stores. Could someone send you a, uh, an old T-shirt and have you make something out of it, or is that happen? <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point where yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Um, but I do have uh, on my website, on my blog, I do have a, a one of my posts is all about how to keep your textiles out of the landfill. So if you if you did have an old T-shirt yeah. and it, you couldn't really donate it, you can you can go to my site for some ideas about how to upcycle materials that you can't really use anymore. Let's come back to that in a, in a minute because I think you know that's that's kind of interesting. So um, you said business is is good. Uh, how how is it? it yeah, sounds... it's yeah. So I started um, so I started this journey towards zero waste a few years ago, and then when I was halfway or, or a few months into that, I started No Trace. And um, over the last over this year, actually, it's grown to the point where I'm doing it full time now. So I'm um, no trace is available for sale in all of the new leafs in Santa Cruz County. Um, and it's also available at Eco Goods downtown and the Zero Shop in Capitola, the National Marine Sanctuary Exploration Center, Green Space on the west side, a lot of stores around town. And then I'm selling at the local farmers market. So I'm at Live Oak. Farmers Market, Westside Farmers Market, um, and then I'm in stores outside of California, and then I've also been doing some partnerships with other local businesses. So you can get my wraps at Gail's Bakery in Capitola. Um, we we developed a product together, and I'm also I've developed a product with an, a Bay Area artist who wanted to offer uh, sustainable 
alternative for some really beautiful trays that she makes. So I've started to also do these partnerships and things have just gotten really busy for me. Uh, dare, dare I ask, are you uh, making money off of this? <laughs> uh, I, especially, you know, given the sort of imputed labor costs. Yeah. I'm curious about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I am contributing money to, to the family at this point. I'm not, um, you know, I still feel like I have a ways to grow, but I'm definitely, um, yeah, definitely. But you're not paying yourself a, a wage then? Well, are you? I, I, I guess I am paying myself a wage in a sense. Yeah. The, yeah. Re- the reason I ask, and this is sort of completely off topic, okay. is that I'm also working in the area of urban agriculture. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that my, I and my colleagues have observed is that most urban agriculture is free labor, based on free labor. And, you know, if you started to try and calculate the sort of the shadow costs yeah. of, of, of a pepper or a tomato... You know, it would look very different. Right. Right. And so I've just, that's why I'm asking, because yeah. I'm curious about how you, you know, how you think about that. Right. Yeah. It's a really important question. And um, I think about those costs a lot because, so one of my products is a, is a cloth veggie bag mm-hmm. and other companies have those made overseas. And so I in the cost, when you purchase something from me, you're actually paying um, someone in Santa Cruz um, a livable wage mm-hmm. to create that product. Uh-huh. And so it, it, that is factored into the cost yeah. of, yeah. um, of the products that I sell. And I, yeah, I can't compete. I always tell folks like I can't compete with something that's made in India where someone's making like pennies. Um, but this is made, you know, it's made in a sustainable way. It's made here in town. It's made, you know, my veggie bags are made with recycled materials. So, I hope that people can appreciate some of those values. Well, one of my questions was, is who, who's the competition? You know, <laughs> is, is anyone else, first of all, offering anything like, like what you're doing? Yes. Well, yes and no. So there are companies that make things similar to the way I make them, but there are some things that are really unique about what I'm offering. So, um, for example, my veggie bags are made with a compostable paint that I actually make myself. Oh, wow. So it's they have a um, a, a stamp. Each one has a, a is hand stamped with a paint that's not going to leave any kind of toxic residue behind at the end of its life mm-hmm. when it's in your compost bin. So it's it's fully natural in that sense, and that's something that's really unique to my bags. Um, and my, one of my other very popular products is my beeswax wraps. I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. so those, there are a couple other really big companies. <clears throat> one of them is in Vermont, and the other, I believe, is in Oregon. Um, and they also make wax wraps. Um, one of the things that's really unique about mine is that I tend to have really fun and colorful prints for people to choose from. I try to have um, fun, like, ocean animals and... Um, just prints that people connect with and they see and they, they, something that you kind of want to have in your fridge. Um, and people also like to give it, give it away as a gift. Uh-huh. So it feels special. How did, sense. how did you figure out how to use the beeswax uh, or is this a, an old practice? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's, there are some recipes that you can find online and I, it took me about a year of testing and fine tuning my own recipe to get the wrap to really stick and form around whatever it is you're wrapping up. So it, it was a lot of trial and error and experimenting with different ratios before I figured out a blend that mm-hmm. works really nice. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that, it's my own blend, and it, it took a while to develop it. Is it only on the inside, or is it on the whole? No, the whole? so it's basically, it's like you take a, a piece of fabric, yeah. and um, you oh. infuse it. So I essentially paint onto it my own blend mm-hmm. of beeswax, pine sap, coconut, and jojoba oil. Yeah. Um, I'm actually giving a workshop, uh, if anybody out there is interested, um, a week from today at the Zero Shop in Capitola, how to make your own wax wraps. And there's, I, when I last I checked, there was one spot left. So, oh, um, yeah, if people are interested in learning, they can sign up for that workshop. I'll be, I'll be doing other workshops in the future, but I'll be walking people through how to make their own, how to, you're basically painting the blend into the fabric, or you can kind of iron it into the fabric. You're not worried about uh, teaching yourself out of a business. <laughs> no, I'm no. not worried about that. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm a I'm a also a sucker for for numbers, and and I was wondering if you've tried to calculate um, the payback time on these mm-hmm. items. I mean, and I did a calculation this morning, but I was wondering yes. uh, how long would you have to use, let's just say, a sandwich right. bag in order to basically make up the cost right. of of plastic sandwich bag. Yes. Okay. So I want to answer this question in a couple ways. Okay. So the, so someone actually did this. So I, I um, collaborated with a, a woman named Polly Barks who has a blog that's all about sustainability uh-huh. and zero waste living. So she actually did this, but I, but before I, I answer it directly, I, I always remind people that the price that you're paying at the cash register is just one small piece of the price. Um, and cheaper things are not always better. So you're you're going to be paying the price for cheaper things in other ways. Mm-hmm. So we pay that price in in um, you know ocean cleanups yeah. and and waste management, you know possible health impacts of of exposure to chemicals from plastics, um, you know the cost to marine wildlife of the plastic pollution problem. So there's a lot of hidden costs for mm-hmm. some of these cheaper products that you avoid when you spend a little bit more upfront. But in terms of the actual, how many times do you have to use it? You definitely would have to use my products many, many times to get, you know, sort of cover that cost difference upfront at the cash register. Um, but I also like to tell people, think of it as you're investing in the planet. You're not just, you know, getting something for your kitchen, but you're you're putting your money towards the planet versus towards plastic. To take a break. So you're listening to KSQD in Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM and KSQD.org online. Uh, California is burning. And KSQD is presenting a five-part series on the growing threat of wildfires. California Burning takes a critical look at how the state's fire-prone forests have been managed and examines how we can all be better stewards of the land and avoid catastrophic wildfires in the future. The series is produced by North State Public Radio, and it's airing on Monday evening at 6 p.m. right after Talk of the Bay here on KSQD 97.90.7, get that one right, FM and ksqd.org. You're listening to Sustainability Now. This is Ronnie Lipschitz, and my guest today is Liz McDade, who runs a no-trace shop, an online business dedicated to providing customers with a sustainable lifestyle. 
Um, well, I just wanted to let you know, I did, the cal- I did a calculation, oh, yeah, of course, making various assumptions and decided that the simple payback period is somewhere between 175 and 260 days. So it's roughly a school year. Okay. But as you point out, there are lots of costs that uh, don't get incorporated, what right. economists call externalities. Ah. Um, and if we were able to figure out what those costs were and put them on the price of disposable goods they would probably be a great deal more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good thing to, to, to remind people of. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, right, what they feel, what the impact is just what they pay at Target or online right. at Amazon. So, right. so that's something that uh, um, we need to do, we need to take care of. Yes, and, um, and I appreciate that these the costs can feel like a burden to some people, um, and I do offer, I try to offer tutorials. So, for example, the wax wrap. Um, workshop and um, I have some online tutorials so people can try to DIY some of these things on their own. Okay, so uh, how big of an impact do you think you can make on the waste stream with with not just the business but with this particular approach? I think it has a lot of potential. I think um, what I see and I, I talk to people, I'm at the farmer's markets a lot, so I talk to people about these products and about their efforts all the time. And often what I see happening is that it starts with one thing, like let's say they get one veggie bag, and most people it starts to pick up speed and sort of snowball in their own life. So mm-hmm. just taking that one small step towards less waste can lead a single person to really cut back their waste in a lot of different areas. Um, and, and to help them be more aware of what's happening and remember to refuse a straw, for example, remember to bring their own coffee cup to the store. So I, I really think that even taking just one small step can lead to a lot more steps and can really start to, to add up and can lead to some big changes. And we're seeing that already. I mean, places are banning plastic bags and plastic straws. And so these actions are accumulating into to bigger legislation i think across the state and other states not just here in other countries yeah well not to not to be a downer i I was in a class a couple of weeks ago talking about the you know the uh the the putting putting a a fee on shopping bags in santa Mm -hmm. cruz and how well that seemed to be working and a very bright student spoke up and pointed out that we used to use paper bags for garbage Mm-hmm. And now we buy plastic bags to put our garbage in. <laughs> right. And do we know what the uh, you know what the, the change has been? Right. And I had to say, I never even thought about that one. Yeah. I still I don't know quite how to think about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so sometimes you know a a well intentioned initiative right produces its own externalities. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I just I just wanted to mention that. Well, you know, I want to get I want to sort of pursue some of these more philosophical questions yeah. because this is stuff that I teach and mm-hmm. talk about in classes all the time. Um, so the first thing is that on your website you're offering zero waste shopping, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that's not a contradiction in terms, <laughs> and maybe you could reflect on that. Yes, absolutely. Well. Um... On my site, I talk a lot about zero-waste shopping, specifically at the grocery store. And I think everyone needs food, right? So my goal is to help people shop for food in a way 
that leads to less packaging waste and mm, okay. less plastic waste. So that that's what I mean when I talk about zero waste shopping. Um, but there there are folks. So if you think about people who are working on cutting their waste along a spectrum, there are folks on one extreme who are absolute minimalists and will go without. You know, they don't use shampoo. They you know, they're just not buying anything except absolute necessities. So that's one end. And then other folks who might go on a shopping spree and get every possible reusable option that they can. So mm -hmm. I think it's great if folks can find a happy medium in terms of, you know, getting what they need and, and finding a su sustainable, reusable alternative, not going bananas, not going overboard and getting everything that they, things that they don't actually need. But I think that there's definitely a role for some of these products that can help eliminate uh, disposable options. Yeah. Um, of course, we live in a consumer society yes. that, that prioritizes obsolescence mm -hmm. and um, throwing things out and, and buying new things, yeah. which makes it really, really difficult to, to push in, a, in that, that particular direction. Right. And so... You know what? What I'm always wondering about is what we can do on a on a larger scale to push in that direction. It's not just a matter of talking about it. I mean, right. I'm I'm not. I'm what you're doing, of course, is a is a step in that direction. But again, uh, it's a small step. Right. 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 And it would be great if this were available to everyone and it were convenient. Mm -hmm. Right. As to me, the the real key is can you can you make change is relatively painless mm -hmm. because otherwise people are probably not going to make those changes. Right. Right. Um, so, um, and I think it, like I said, I think it starts with a small step. So what is one small step? What is one small inconvenience that a person is willing to take? Because can, this is something I've said before, convenience is killing the planet. Like people have to wake up and realize that if we want, to continue to live with this convenience all around us it's it's going to destroy us and it's going to you know continue to fill our oceans with pollution and clog our rivers and our streams and our forests and our meadows so i do i do think that folks need to be able to do one small thing that's outside of their norm that's you know a different a step in a different direction and it's you know one small inconvenience um could lead to taking bigger steps mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you know this throwaway culture it's it's convenient um up front it's easy you don't have to think ahead you don't have to bring along you know utensils or to-go container uh you don't have you can just grab a bag of chips at the at the gas station that convenience i totally get it um but if we don't stand up to a little bit of that convenience we're gonna we're not gonna dig ourselves out of this trash, you know, hill that we've created. So I think, I think people need to accept that. That's a really important first step that there's going to be some inconvenience if you want to make a change in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I see this all, a lot of this is about socialization, right? Yeah. You're a clinical psychologist, presumably mm -hmm. psychiatry, psychologist, yeah. but presumably mm -hmm. you had to learn about this stuff, right? right? <laughs> you know, that, that all of these sort of formative practices that we learn at a very young age right. or get socialized into as we, as we get older. And mm -hmm. it's very difficult 
to change something that you regard as normal or even right. natural. Right. Right. And in the society, it seems natural to, to buy and consume. Of course, we don't ask for the impossible to open packaging that everything comes in. Right. 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 But, but we still buy that. We still buy this stuff. Yes. And so, um, and I can see how, you know, you're, you're talking about people making small changes and eventually they make bigger changes. Right. But in a way they're doing what they're doing isn't, isn't normal or naturalized, right? They're, they're making a, a move which yeah. is sort of counter to the mainstream. And so I always am asking myself, well, what can we do or what can be done that would normalize the alternative practices, right? right? Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a tricky one. Right. I mean, I can go on at a great length about it. I, I won't do that. My, my, one of my examples is the fact that when I moved to California 40 years ago, nobody carried water bottles mm -hmm. right and so the question is always how did that happen mm -hmm. you know yeah and um and so it's really it, it's a hard one to study and it's a really interesting yeah but it's problem. possible right you see that it's possible well it's possible right but but we, there's no sort of intentionality that's mm -hmm. to me that's the key thing right is that mm -hmm. is there a way to do this which which doesn't take 40 years or whatever the time yeah. period is to kind of permeate society and become normal practice right right and and that's a there are all kinds of ideas about that some of them not so attractive yeah yeah uh, well i think you know i see I, I i'm in a bit of a zero waste you know world personally so i i definitely see the impact that role models can have. So there's people that I look up to that have been doing this zero waste lifestyle for longer and they've really inspire others and they do help to normalize, um, the things that, that zero waste living asks of you to do. So, you know, if you see somebody that you really admire putting bread into an old pillowcase or, you know, uh, bringing their own coffee cup, I think that, those role models can can make a big difference and they can really inspire people but yeah i think it can be hard so here in santa cruz you know we're really lucky we have a lot of great grocery stores that in terms of grocery shopping that support bringing your own containers but i talk to people all the time that are in different areas and they get they feel really uncomfortable when they go shopping and they have these jars and they have their own bags and they mm -hmm. feel like the cashiers don't you know, don't want them doing that. Or some stores will straight up tell them, we don't want you bringing reusable bags. You must use a, a clean plastic fresh bag. And so I think, um, yeah, that socialization part is really important to make it normal to do this. And Santa Cruz is definitely, I think, doing a, a good job at, of that at a lot of our stores like Staff of Life and New Leaf and Wild Roots. Um, these stores are are supportive. Um, so, I mean, the, the ideal thing, well, I don't want to talk about franchises, but I mean, the ideal thing from, from the perspective of what you're doing is to have people all over the country start businesses like yeah, yours for, absolutely. you know, their, their, their communities. Yeah. I think right? that would yeah. be great. Yeah. I mean, the, I think that I don't see other businesses doing what I'm doing as competition because I, I, everyone does things in their own way and are serving their own community. And I'm here to serve this community and um, you know, I think of myself as serving the greater California community, but I think that there's space for a lot of makers across the country who would, 
who might want to do something like this to serve their own community. I think that would be amazing. Have you done anything like a, a, a webinar or a, or a, you know, podcast, instructional podcast or something <laughs> like that? I have not. I've done some other interviews um, talking about, you know, what I'm doing and and zero waste living, but I haven't done any sort of... I haven't of, tried to do anything like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you're listening to KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz and KSQD.org. And um, this is Sustainability Now. KSQD thanks the many listeners who donated during our recent pledge drive. Your generosity helped us raise $16,000 towards our $25,000 goal before we were interrupted by the power shutoff. Boo. So we're asking you to please help us reach our goal. You can donate now at our website, ksqd.org. And we're going to have another fundraising period towards the end of November. So you'll be able to listen and call in then. More information about that will be forthcoming. And remember that Community Radio KSQD is listener supported. We receive no government, institutional, or corporate funding. K-Squid relies on listeners like you to make possible the wide variety of unique and quality programs you hear on K-Squid. So please make your secure tax-deductible donation now at ksquid.org by clicking on the banner at the top of our homepage. That's ksqd.org. Thanks. So this is Ronnie Lipschitz, and you're listening to Sustainability Now, and I'm speaking with Liz McDade who runs the No Trace Shop, an online business dedicated to providing customers with a sustainable lifestyle. We've been talking about the business, and now we're getting into sort of more philosophical and abstract questions, ones that trouble me as I, as I teach and write. Um, so uh, you posted on your, I saw you posted on your website, 50 Small Ways to Flight, Fight Climate Change. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of have in my mind some kind of book that came out like that about 10 or 20 years ago. Oh, I, don't, I better know, read that. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure it was about climate change. This, that's the thing. I don't remember what it was about, but uh-huh. it was like, you know, 100 things you can do or something like that. Okay. So yeah. anyhow, can you talk, talk to me about that? Yeah. What motivated so, you to do that? Yeah, so part, so part of my business is to also provide information um, for folks who are interested in reducing their waste. And so I have a blog. It's at notraceshop.com slash blog. And um, I try to write about things that I know people care about, people who care about zero waste, care about climate change. So mm-hmm. I think the only reason to care about zero waste is because you you care for the planet, you consider yourself an environmentalist. And climate change is the single greatest threat facing our planet right now. So I felt like that would be... Um, an important topic to talk about with my readers. And uh, to me, it can be overwhelming. What in the world can we do about climate change as an individual? And so I thought it would be useful to other people like me to break it down and think about all of the small steps that you can do that can make a difference. And so I go through, uh, in that post, I talk about, you know, transportation emissions, but then I also talk about, you know, you can write a letter to your governor you can write uh, a letter to your representative and i have links like here's how you find who that person is here's where you go to find what you want to ask for these are the organizations that are rallying us around climate change who have who have information about what it is we need to demand from the government Um, but then also things that you can do um, on your own to reduce your own carbon footprint so yeah it's just a collection of 
things that anyone can can do at least some of those small steps to reduce their own carbon footprint and try to make a difference in climate change. Maybe you should provide a checklist for people to print out, you know, oh, yeah. they could keep keep a journal or a record or something That's like that. That's a great idea. I'm thinking about so how do you how do you mobilize people politically around these sorts of issues? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I just had a vision of a of a, a caravan to Sacramento with people carrying mm-hmm. garbage bags of unrecyclable yes. plastic, you know, right. dump those on the steps of the Right. Of the capital. Yeah, I that mean, there's be a great idea. There are so, <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. I mean, there's so many things. That's that's one idea. I think there's so many ways you can try to make a difference. Um, I think the marches that happened this September were great, and that that was really what triggered me to to sort of keep the momentum going. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I went to the march. My family, we all went to the march, and um, it was really inspiring. And so I felt like let's keep this momentum going. What what can you do even after the march is over? there's a lot that we can do um, to make our views known and to to get other people involved to build community um, and to you know change things at your home things like that so it's difficult to sustain a commitment like that I, you know we're looking at other countries where people are in the streets Hong Kong and uh, mm-hmm. Chile and uh, where else? Iraq. Well, that one's not such a great story. Mm-hmm. But you know, all over the world, you see, you see these these mass movements, mm-hmm. and we have trouble sustaining that kind of interest and commitment, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to sort of imagine doing this week after week, right? Right, and doing it in places that where where it might have an impact, and well, yet uh, that seems to me to be. It's something we ought to be thinking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we have to keep trying and keep talking about this. Um, I think I think a lot of people are continuing to act. Um, I think for some people, maybe the climate march was what they were going to do for the year. But I think a lot of people are going to continue to act and uh, try to keep, keep forward movement. Um, so... Let's see. Where do I? Where, where, what do I ask you next? Right. So, so let's go back to this thing about you know living in a, in a consumer society and being encouraged to shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things, and you you raised the uh, you know some role models and and th- things like that. Obviously, one of the things that that people could start to do is shop less and reuse things more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty difficult, as you you pointed out, to find uh, products that are reusable and long lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there are all kinds of implications from that. If people started, started to reuse things longer periods of time, mm-hmm. right? Production of those things would presumably decline. Mm-hmm. It would have all kinds of knockoff effects in the economy. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I'm not saying, well, this is a terrible thing. I'm just <laughs> sort of, you know, raising, raising this, this, this question. And yet, right. how do you you know, how, how do you motivate people? And um, uh, I'm sort of beating on that particular one because, of course, it's of, it's of great interest to me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, have you thought about that? I, at all? I have, yeah. So, for example, I think about the fashion industry okay. and, you know, the this whole fast fashion world that where clothes are being produced at an astronomical rate for people to buy. There's new clothes being put out at the store every day at some of these 
fast fashion chains like Forever 21. And well, Forever 21 has gone belly up, so <laughs> they're still around. They, they? they declared oh. bankruptcy, oh. but they are still in business, kind of like PGE. Yeah, yeah, okay. so they are shutting some stores. I was very curious, it's like, oh, are they gone? Is this it for Forever 21? They declared bankruptcy, they are still in business. Uh, okay, are, so it was just that. Okay, they are closing some stores, but they're not gone. Yeah, yeah. so stores like that are still around, they're still going to keep cranking out clothes new clothes that go on the floor every day to encourage this this shopping frenzy right mm -hmm. and i i see a huge problem with that and i think you know there's people like me and other businesses like me who are making things in a more thoughtful and sustainable way and i what what i would like to see is you know fewer businesses who are just cranking out cheap products and getting them on the shelves every day um, and, and more businesses like mine that are making things very thoughtfully. Um, and maybe it costs a little bit more because it's, it's going to last you a very long time. Um, and maybe people buy less and they just buy quality items that, that they know are going to last them for a while instead of buying a new t-shirt every week, uh, because it's cheap. So I, I, yeah, I think that, that businesses who care about the environment, want to encourage people to just get quality that they need rather than constantly shopping for the next greatest thing. Yeah, of course, those businesses operate um, by having the clothing produced abroad, right, where the wages are much, much lower. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether the uh, the tariffs are having much impact on that. But it's interesting, again, to note that, that 50, 60 years ago, clothing was very expensive. Right. And people wore things for for a long time because yeah. of that. And one of the one of the things that happened was by shifting production offshore, things became very cheap. And relatively speaking, clothing is very cheap. But it also has this other impact in terms of of incomes and standards right. of living. Right? If if uh, it 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 basically suppresses growth and wages because if you can maintain the same standard of living because stuff is cheaper mm -hmm. right the argument is well you don't have to get pay raises as often and so there's a whole sort of interesting yeah. uh connection there so right. you know encouraging the sort of rapid turnover right. is not just simply a matter of of profits right which it presumably you know supports but also of uh in terms of wage growth, in terms right. of what what uh, companies have to pay their employees, mm -hmm. so there's this whole sort of you know very yeah. complicated cycle right. that contributes to that. Right. Yeah. But the fashion industry isn't, uh, I, you know, it escapes me because I'm a slob. <laughs> <laughs> I wear the same clothes for well, I have a College Eight T-shirt on, and as some of you know, College Eight has been Rachel Carson College now for three or four years. Mm -hmm. So it's a collector's item. It's right. kind of like, you know, Grateful Dead t-shirt from 40, 50 years ago. Well, I always encourage people to shop secondhand before they before they get go to the store for new stuff. That's like the greenest way to shop is shop secondhand before getting new clothes somewhere. But people mostly throw their stuff out, don't they? Hi, their, hi. their old clothing? I, I mean, the thrift stores I, are pretty full. They're pretty full. <laughs> pretty full yeah. of clothes around town. There's a lot of stuff lot? Okay. that you can get at Goodwill um, or, you know, thrift center or wherever you like to go in, around town. 
What do you have, what, what are your visions for the future then for all of this? Well, I, um, yeah, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and um, expanding to more and more stores. Um, and I, I really also love offering workshops. So, I'm, you know, like I mentioned, I'm doing a workshop coming up and my goal is to, to keep offering workshops in the community to learn, to help people learn how to make some of their own uh sustainable reusable supplies um yeah and then and then continue to grow my team and and have folks who can who are part of the no trace family and and uh you know have a thriving santa cruz business that's so you're 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 looking to grow Mm -hmm. how how big uh i don't i don't have a specific goal in mind um yeah i don't exactly know yeah you'd have to hire more people to come in and 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 do these things, right? right? You'd have to become a, ooh, a capitalist. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Well, yeah. Actually, earlier a capitalist you... with a heart, though. <laughs> well, I suppose. I mean, if you offer people shares in the company or something like that, right? Yeah. Worker owned. Well, we won't. We won't talk about that. Um, you mentioned earlier when we were talking that you've gone uh, and talked to school kids about this about yeah. your, you know, your, your, pro, your, your company and your work. I have. Maybe we can talk, you know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It... Yeah. So I, I have two kids. Um, my daughter's Hazel and Beatrice. They might be listening right now. Um, and I've gone to each of their classrooms to talk about trash and plastic pollution and um, to get the kids excited about why trash matters and what they can do to cut their own trash. And just to get them thinking, I think, you know, when people are young, that's a great time to introduce new ideas to them and to socialize them, like you were saying, into some more sustainable practices in their own life. So bringing their own water bottle to school, you know, bringing reusable cutlery in their lunch, you know, using a little cloth napkin or a little rag instead of paper napkins. So I think a lot of these ideas are really simple and kids totally get it and they you know, if you can, I, I try to walk them through our trash problem here in the U.S., how much trash, you know, each person makes like four and a half pounds of trash a day here in the U.S. Is that is that personal or is that sort of on average for the country? That's personal trash. Personal, wow. On average, personal trash per person. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we talk about that and we talk about, you know, the great um, plastic patches in the ocean and where all that's coming from and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kids get it. And then we talk about microplastics. They, they get that too. Like, you know, as plastic breaks down, it gets in the food chain and then it gets into us. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I really actually enjoy that. Um, talking to kids about this and getting them excited about it. There's a couple of really great videos on YouTube, um, that kind of walk kids through the problem with plastic. Mm-hmm and um, how it breaks down and contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. And Is that something like that. you want to do more, yeah. more frequently? Yeah. Talk I'm, to school? As, I, as my schedule allows, I love, I love going to schools. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll take a break. Release the Kraken! It's a chilling taste of the true Kraken's power. If these smaller squid deal this much damage, squid six times bigger 
or more would be nearly unstoppable. Fish that can wrap tentacles around you. When they approach a prey, all the tentacles come together in a cone with the two feeding tentacles inside. They are one of the fastest growing animals in the ocean. And in a way, I think the squid is probably an organism that's ideally suited to climate change. There's squid all over, there's ink all over, there's people dodging squid. Look at all the ink, it's squirting into the water! A little music could soothe their hunger. K-Squid, Santa Cruz Community Radio. Join me for State of Mind, Being Human and Living Well. Conversations about mental health and wellness here on the Central Coast. I'm your host, Deborah Sloss, licensed therapist, and I'll be joined by guests sharing their personal stories, their clinical expertise, and resources on a topic. Tune in to State of Mind, the first Sunday of the month, 6 to 7 p.m., right here on KSQD 90.7 FM. Okay, this is Ronnie Lipschitz. You're listening to Sustainability Now. And my guest today is Liz McDade, who runs No Trace, the No Trace Shop, an online business dedicated to providing customers with a sustainable lifestyle. We were just talking about, uh, about uh, kids mm-hmm. in schools and uh, talking to them about, about trash and what they can do. And you mentioned zero-waste parenting, and mm-hmm. I'm sort of curious what that might entail. Yeah, so this is something that... Um, I get asked by other parents, like, how do you, how do you do this with kids? And so it's something that I think about and I talk with my own kids about, and my own partner about, uh, how do we cut waste as a family? And, um, so yeah, so I have a few different resources on my site and my blog. Um, and I think one of the most important things if you're you're trying to get your kids to reduce their waste is to is to talk to them about it and to know that you know they live in this world that really encourages waste and so there's going to be waste there's going to be trash it's unavoidable for them um so to really be accepting of that if you're going to let your kids move through the world mm-hmm. without holding their hand 24/7 they're going to come across waste they're going to be handed something that that's really irresistible or they're going to go places without you where there's trash is created as part of the meal or whatever so i think that's one thing that that i tell parents is to keep in mind that it's going to happen and uh to just accept that but that if you get your kids inspired about why it matters you know you know kids kids are amazing and they can really take these things to heart and really dive in. And, and my kids have both been amazing at, at trying to do this and using reusables and sharing with their friends. Yeah. Do, do they, do they tell you when you've done something? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's smart people. So they're, yeah. they're on it. When you buy them toys, what do you look for? Oh yeah. That's a good question. And I actually have a post about, um, zero waste gifts for kids. Uh And one of the things that, that I encourage is if you're wanting to give a gift to a child, think about an experience before an actual Hmm. thing. So, you know, taking them somewhere special, taking them, you know, for an afternoon at the boardwalk as a gift Mm -hmm. or, um, plenty of waste there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, maybe bring your own water bottle and snacks if you can. But yes, yeah, I try to encourage uh, experiences over things. Um, but you know, if there's something really special that they want, and we, you know, we talk about these things, but I'm not going to deny them something that they're something in particular that they're very excited about if it's made with plastic. But we do talk about what you know, what's something that's good to bring into the home versus things that are just going to end up in the landfill. And so, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about wooden blocks, which, as I recall, when I was growing up, you know, we're we're around for 20 years, the same set of blocks. Yeah. Um, My son had um, help the little plastic blocks. I'm having a senior moment here. Oh, Legos? Legos. Yes. We still have... We still have bins of Legos in the garage, although he has, yeah. which he won't let us get rid of. Yeah, uh, you know, although he hasn't used them in fifteen years. Right. Um, but I was sort of thinking about that. I mean, do you look at things like durability? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. I think, and we talk about this sometimes. If they're at a a birthday party, there might be some party favors that are from the dollar store mm-hmm. that are going to break yeah. in seventeen hours. Yeah. And so I really encourage them, like, how special is this to you? Because I'm pretty sure that's destined for the landfill. Um and I, I think but I do think toys like Legos that are gonna last and that, that they can really learn from, I think those are great. Um and you know, when when my kids were younger they did have some wooden blocks and there are some nice plastic free options out there my kids are getting older where they don't you know they're you know they're not asking for toys as often anymore um but i think there are some nice options and then like i said if it's a toy that 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 really matters to them or if it's a toy that they're going to learn a lot from so legos are amazing i mean you learn so many my my girls love legos and you just it's a great experience for kids so i would never say don't get legos because they're made with plastic um but yeah, I do think about some of those just little small dollar store things. Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm even thinking about you know big expensive things that fall apart right after a few months of use. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not just the little things; it's the right. big things as well. Yeah. That um, and again, it's it's hard to imagine. You know, it's it's been a while since I was a child. Yeah. So it's hard to imagine what you know, how children react in, a, in an environment where they're being bombarded so much with, you know, stuff, yeah. not, not stuff so much, but, but the appeal of stuff, right. It's, uh, in, in so many places mm-hmm. and, and things change. So fashions change so quickly. Yeah. Right. It's really hard to sort of yeah. imagine, even imagine that. Right. I mean, that's the frustrating thing with a lot of these plastic toys is that once they break, you can't fix you can't it. Do anything with it and that yeah that that's a major uh, that's one of the reasons I, I hate a lot of plastic toys because when they break there's nothing you can do with them there's no way to repair it um yeah so we we do try to avoid that but um it's it's becoming less of an issue for us now but when when they were younger um it was something it was more something that i was thinking about in my mind so when you have to go out and buy something something major what do you do? Well, it depends on the thing, actually. Um, well, we could say furniture. We could say appliances. You know, yeah. these are sort of different things. I'm just wondering. Right. What? How? How do you go about that? Yeah. So you know, like I said, buying used is really green for most things. But then, if you need like a new fridge, 
you don't want to get a used fridge. You want to get the most energy efficient fridge that you can. So there's going to be times when you really should get get the best option that you can in terms of energy savings. Um, but then, yeah, other things, um, I, I try to get used. I try to find things on Craigslist or get them used uh, at a thrift store. And then, but I also try to find a balance because I can't spend, you know, all day on okay, Craigslist yeah. or I can't necessarily wait to find something for six months. So there's, there's going to be times when, you know, convenience, uh, there, that word again, that when the convenience of getting something new is going to be, is going to outweigh the weight to find just what you need. Yeah. I see, I see opportunities here for anybody out there who's who's thinking about apps, you know, oh a, my gosh, a, yes. a website for uh, selling and exchanging yes. durable goods. Or uh, please somebody develop uh, an app where you can tell it, like, this is what I'm on the market for. Well, can you right. ping me whenever right, somebody right. posts this? Because I need, I need that. Yeah. I think sort that of, would be great. It gets into some ideas of the sharing economy. Mm-hmm. Um, but not not um, renting things out. This is not Airbnb or or mm-hmm. Lyft. This is basically, uh, if you've got something that you don't need, find somebody, give it to somebody who, who needs it, right? Right. right. And is there some place, sort of an exchange where where? Well, there's the, Free Cycle. Are you have you heard of Free Cycle? No, I haven't. There's FreeCycle.org, um, and it's pretty active in Santa Cruz. Huh. Where, where yeah. if you have something that you don't need anymore, it could even be. I've seen someone be like. I got this yogurt, and I don't, it's a flavor I don't like. Does anybody want this yogurt? So it could be, or it can be like I have this sofa, or I have an old air conditioner, or you know, all can, kinds of things. Can can people post what they're looking for as well, yeah, or is it can, just yeah? Absolutely. Oh, so this is what this yeah. Is what, yeah. And so I've done it. that before. I've posted. Uh-huh. I'm looking for. I forget what I was looking for recently. Oh, I was looking for packing paper, actually, to to ship my orders when I have to ship orders. Um, yeah, then I found some. Yeah, what do you do? Paper. What do you ship them in? I use paper boxes, paper envelopes, and recycled packing paper uh-huh. for all my all my shipments. Yeah, I don't ship with any plastic. So. Hmm. Okay. Um, what else should we talk about? <laughs> um, How, is there anything that you wanted to 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 talk about that we haven't addressed so far? Well, and I think the kids issue, I think, is um, something that people have a lot of questions about. Um, and so I would encourage people to look at my blog. I've got a post about zero waste gifts for kids. I also have a post about how we do um, our advent calendar, how we do like a zero waste advent calendar. How do you do that? So we have each day is rather than like a little candy wrapped in trash yeah, yeah. it's it's just something like a little special experience like a walk a special night walk uh, or uh-huh. you know this is the day that we're going to decorate our tree um so that's got some fun ideas for families who are trying to go through the holidays with a little less waste and a little less trash i think um i think you know the holidays can be stressful trying to get trying to purchase all these things but i i like to remind people it's a time to connect you know time to slow down and connect with people and it's experiences are much better ways to connect rather than than giving things yeah quality rather than quantity yeah exactly right. yeah. yeah so yeah i would encourage people if, if they have kids or little ones in their life to check that out and get some inspiration some ideas i've got a few different posts about um 
zero waste with kids. Well, I mean, you can do that for big ones as well. Yeah, for absolutely. Adults. It doesn't for have to be just for kids. Yeah, all ages. Right. Yeah. We need to we need to learn to change our our habits and practices. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, Liz. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show. It was it was really interesting, and I, I sort of want to encourage you to to do all of these things, you know, to try and foster businesses like yours all over the country yeah. and 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 the like. But thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It would be a lot of work. Yes. It would take you away from what you're doing. <laughs> One but, thing at a time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's well, been it was a pleasure. Great talking with you. So let's see. Uh, I'll be back in two weeks. And my guest on November 17th will be Heidi Carton, Heidi Carton who is executive director of Common Roots Farm. Uh, Common Roots Farm is a really interesting place. It's out on Golf Club Drive off of Highway 9, just past Harvey West. And it is literally a four or eight acre farm out there. But uh, it grows a variety of vegetables, herbs, fruit, and flowers. It offers horticultural and farm skills training, internships to people with developmental disabilities, environmental and gardening education, and micro-enterprise opportunities uh, right in the heart of Santa Cruz, California. It's a really interesting place because the uh, the people who founded it uh, did it because they have uh, disabled children and they want those ch- those adult children at this point. They want them to be able to go out, you know, and do do this kind of stuff, you know, learn about farming. Um, and so Heidi's going to come and talk to us about that. Um, I just want to remind you that you can still donate to K-Squid, even though we missed three days of the pledge because of PG&E, boo. Um, you can go to the station by going, uh, give to the station by going to ksqd.org and clicking on the donate button. And finally, if you miss program broadcasts or you want to hear them again, they're archived at tinyurl.com backslash y4nbrenv. And as always, you can send comments and brickbats to me at L at ksquid.org. So until next time, sustainability now. There's a plastic bag floating in the ocean, floating in the ocean. And what are we to do? There's a plastic bag floating in the ocean, floating in the ocean blue. And if the plastic bag starts breaking into pieces, breaking into pieces, what are we to do? And if the plastic bag starts breaking into pieces, into pieces in the ocean. I'm joined by guests.